0: Hey, um, I want want to get straight into the message this morning because uh, I just really feel that God laid this on my heart earlier this week and um, kind of doesn't really line up with what Madison asked me to speak on, but that's okay um, because I can overrule her decisions, yeah? And, um, And it's just something that God started speaking to me personally, but I also think it's such a phenomenal thing for all of us to understand, because the passage i 'm going to talk to you through and, and share some stuff with you is is after the Israelites who have been in bondage in Egypt for something like eight hundred years um, and they 've been in bondage and they 've been enslaved and they 're going through all sorts of stuff they 're crying out to God and God finally well, not finally, God hears them. And and then he decides that what he's gonna do is he's gonna come and talk to Moses and he's gonna tell Moses, hey, it's your job. I've appointed you, I've anointed you. You're highly favored to go and take these people out of the bondage areas and lead them into freedom. And and if there's one thing that that, uh, I know that we've been pushing uh, with our youth ministry here at Revive is that that you are chosen, that you are highly favored, that God is with you, that God is for you, that God has appointed you, that God has given you um, a calling and a gifting and something for you to do. And and I think that's really, really awesome. But if you're like me and like Moses, there's just a couple of issues that we've got to sort on our way. And so this morning's message is called Handle It. Everybody say handle it. And so God comes to Moses, says, hey, heard the cry of the people, I'm going to rescue them, I'm sending you to deliver them. And Moses says in Exodus 4 verse 1, Moses answered and said, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? I believe the first thing that we have to deal with if we're going to handle this favor, if we're going to handle this call that God has given us, is what if? What if, what if, how many things in your life have you not done due to what if? Come on, let's be honest this morning. How many of you have not done things in your life because you sat there and go, oh, but what if this happens? And what if that happens? How many of you have had sleepless nights because what if kept you awake? Come on, talk to me today. How many of you have woken up in the morning with an anxious heart because what if was your alarm clock? What if? I think if we're going to step into all that God has for us and we're going to handle what he has given us, we've got to deal with the what if questions because what if is really us thinking about what could happen even though nothing has happened. The second problem that, that Moses has is in the very next word. What if they... What if they, what if they, I want to reach my friends, but what if they reject me? What if they ridicule me? What if they make fun of me? What if they won't listen to me? What if they won't follow me? What if they won't do this? What if they won't hear what I've got to say? What if they, what if they reject me? What if they laugh at me? Moses, straight away in these first three words really hits the heart of all of us when God cries out to us and says, hey, I want you to go and do something. I want you to go and transform a community, which is our responsibility to see our world come to Christ. It's every single one of us. God has called us to go out and make disciples of all people. And the first two questions is always, if you're like me, is, well, what if this happens and what if that happens and what if they laugh at me? What if they reject me? And the thing that I love is that Moses here is is playing out the possibilities of the effects of his obedience. He's playing out the possibilities of what could happen if he obeys God. The reality is Moses actually hasn't done anything yet. Come on. So often we talk ourselves out of something that God has called us to do because we're thinking about the possibilities of what could happen, and we haven't even done anything yet. We haven't done anything for there to be a rejection. We haven't done anything for there to be all these effects that we're worried about that could be. Moses is, in my opinion, right here in this moment, he's having a triggered moment. Moses is triggering emotionally because Moses is afraid of the same rejection that he experienced 40 years earlier. Remember when Moses, 40 years earlier, killed the Egyptian soldier trying to help his people in their defense and that went really badly for him and because he did the right thing the wrong way, he ended up on the run. And so Moses is like, whoa, hold on a sec, I've tried this before and it didn't work. They rejected me once before, they're going to reject me again. I reached out to my friends at school once before, And they rejected me. Then surely they'll reject me again. I've reached out to my neighbour once before. I've reached out to family once. I've done this before. I've been here before. I tried to step out for you before, and I got burnt out, and I got used, and I got abused, and and I I, I've I've been here before. And, And what if all of this happens again? What if I have a repeat of what I already have experienced? When you've tried to do the right thing and you put your heart into it, but you end up doing it the wrong way, I don't know about you, but when that happens to me, I don't want to try again. Yeah? We don't want to try again. When we we try something and it doesn't work, something happens on the inside of us which is like a protection mechanism in us. It says, just don't even try to do that again. You know, at Christmas time, Seth got a skateboard and I used to skate when I was younger, and it's meant to be like riding a bike, right? Yeah? So I, I was in the kitchen, probably not the right place to trial the skateboard, but I hopped on the skateboard thinking, I, I did this right up till I was like 14 years of age. It's a piece of cake, right? Um, the problem is, is I had even forgotten how to start the skateboard, and instead of me going forward, the skateboard went flying backwards and nearly smashed something in the kitchen, and, and everything in me said, don't do that again. Don't do that again, but I did. And I was successful the second time around, even in the face of the mocking and the ridicule of my teenage son. You see, Moses here, is asking something hypothetical. He's asking something like, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if they do this? It's hypothetical. He doesn't know if that's what's going to happen. He's hypothetical at it, but the thing is, is it's based on a historical experience. And so often with us, when God calls us to do something, we have ideas of what could happen based on our historical experience. But remember, Moses did the right thing the wrong way, and now he's projecting his past onto his potential, and it's becoming his limited factor. I want to encourage you this morning, if you keep on projecting your past mistakes onto your future potential, it will limit you and stop you from doing anything. Who you were is not who you are. And here's the reality, your failures are failure moments, not failure life. Come on. We all make mistakes, but we have moments of mistakes, not not generally a life of mistakes. And we can't allow our past to be projected onto our potential because it becomes a limiting factor in our lives. And I I love God because God just doesn't actually say to Moses, hey, look, they're not going to reject you, and that's not going to happen. Have you ever noticed that with God? He doesn't really answer your question. He just gives you another question. And he says to Moses in verse two, he says, the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? Moses goes, a staff, he replied. You know, he's not answering Moses' fears. He's saying to him, what's in your hand? He says it's a staff. Now the staff is a tool that shepherds use for shepherding sheep. And Moses at the time was looking after his father-in-law's sheep and tending them. But for Moses, the staff represents a whole heap more than just his job as a shepherd. The staff represents Moses' mistakes. Because if Moses had never killed the Egyptian soldier and ended up a fugitive on the run, when he was adopted as a baby into the royal family, if he hadn't done that, he would not be standing there with a staff in his hand. He'd still be in the royal palace. And so when God says to him, what's in your hand, it causes Moses to have to come face to face with the mistakes that he made that has landed him in the position that he's in now. You see, the thing I love about God is he makes us deal with our stuff so that our past can't project onto our potential because he wants us to deal with our stuff so that it's signed, sealed, and delivered. It's sorted so that it doesn't project onto our potential, so it doesn't become a limiting factor of what we need to do for what he's called us to do. You see, God doesn't make us face our mistakes because he's mean. He makes us face our mistakes because he wants to bring healing, deliverance back and make you whole again. And when God speaks to you about potential, he'll cause you to confront your past. Because I can tell you now, I have made, and I know this will be a shock to you guys, but in the 14 years that I've been pastor in this church, I have made, Plenty of mistakes. I know that's, I know for all of you that's just like shocking because the perfection that you see before you. But I've made huge mistakes, lots of mistakes. I will continue to make mistakes because I'm human and I have issues. That's why we have tissues, tissues for our issues. And so to Moses, it's, it's more than just a staff. It's, it's also his past. It's the tool that he needs to do what he's currently doing. And so there's a whole lot of, hap, whole lot of stuff happening right now for Moses. He, he, he's worried about what could happen. He's now been confronted with his past. He's, he's got all this stuff going on. And, and, and God is saying to him, what's in your hand and really what he is saying to Moses in this moment, as God is telling him that what you have is what you need. What you have is what you need. What you have is what you need. In fact, what you need, you already have. Everything that you need is actually already within the reach because Moses is like, what if this happens, what if they do that? And he's trying to say to me, everything you need is right there with you. Everything you need for this, is in your hand, everything you need for what I've called you to do, you have, it's within reach. And if there's something I want you to do today is I want you to leave the list of what you don't have behind you today. Because what's in your hand? What's in your hand? You know, um, A wee while ago, probably about two years ago, um, I was going through some some stuff, and so I thought I'll ring up one of my pastor friends and, and I'll get some advice from him because I'm sure he's been there and he's done this. So I'll ring him up and I'll ask him for some advice. And And I remember him saying to me, Hey, um, you know, I told him the whole situation, you know, poured out my heart, you know, and I'm ready for the it's okay, it's, it's okay, Carrie. Um, I was ready for that, you know, the pat on the back. And he turns around and he says to me, Um, you know that book I brought you a year ago? Did you read that book? And I'm like, no, I haven't got around to it. You need to understand, the situation I'm going through right now is this, can you give me some advice? He goes, yeah, did you read the book that I gave you? And I said, well, no, I haven't had time. And he goes, how about this? How about you read the book first, and then you ring me? He said, because I could see that you were going to come to this place in your journey. And that's why I brought you the book 12 months ago, so that you would read it 12 months ago, so that when you face this, you would actually have the wisdom and the tools that you needed to deal with this without having to ring me. Have you read the book? Call me back when you read the book. And And he said to me this, he says the wisdom you need is probably in a book on your shelf you haven't read yet. And sometimes I felt like God was saying to me, you actually already have what you needed, you just didn't read it, you just didn't pick it up. And sometimes when we pray and ask God to give us some information that we need about our lives to make a decision, uh, and, and we're asking God, God, how do we handle it? Sometimes I feel like God feels like turning around going, have you read the book? <laughs> the one that starts at Genesis and ends in Revelation. Have you read, what? because everything you need I've already placed within your reach. Have you read the book? It's in your hand. What you need is in your hand. How are you handling it? It's in your hand. The Word of God has never been so accessible for us. You can get it everywhere. You can get it on your iPad, on your computer, on your phone. It's like everywhere that you could ever be. You can even get it now where it sends you alarms to remind you to read it. And there's amazing plans. There's plans for everything. There's plans for fear. There's plans for grace. There's plans for loneliness. There's plans for this. There's plans for that. There's plans for how to lead your dog to Christ in 32 days when you take him for a walk. There's plans for everything. And so we have the word of God available to us. And here's the thing. And what he's saying to Moses is what you need is in your hand. You just got to grab it. You just got to grab it. The joy you need is in the book that he gave you. You just got to grab it. The, the security you need is in the book that he gave you. You just got to grab it. That the, the healing that you need is in the book that he gave you. You just got to grab it. It's within the reach of your hand. It's there. He's placed it. He's given you. Have you read the book? Because God hasn't abandoned you and God hasn't left you. He gave you everything you need. You just got to read the book. And he's saying, I've already given you what you need for all of your questions. What if, what if they? It's in your hand. But what about, no, it's in your hand. But what about, no, it's in your hand. what well, about, it's read the book. You see, he's saying everything you need, Moses, is within your reach. It was something that Moses already had in his hand. And for him to move forward and accomplish what God had set out for him, he had what he needed in his hand. And I don't know about you, but I so need to hear that. Because if I'm honest with you, I can get so caught up in what I don't have. Well, I don't have this, and I don't have that. I can get caught up in that around the church. Oh, we don't have this. If we had that, that that church has, then we'd be get so caught up And what I don't have, so caught up in what I don't have. And I feel like what God is teaching me, and I hope that you hear this this morning, is that it's less and less about what you do have, and it's more and more about how you handle it. It's not what do I have, it's how do I handle it? What do I do with what I have? You see, there's a documentary series that ESPN did a wee while ago for 30 for 30. I'd encourage you, you can look it up on YouTube and stuff like that, and there's this, there's this one episode called Broke, and it's, it's this documentary about these athletes in America that during their careers made millions and millions and millions of dollars, like millions. But by the time their career finished, they were so broke They were declaring bankruptcy. You see, we have to realize, because we know this, it's not what you have, it's how you handle what you have. Because they had millions and didn't handle it properly and ended up broke. In fact, there's a documentary a while ago about New Zealand lotto winners, and they found that 90% of cases of those who win lotto, 10 years later, ended up in a worse financial position than before they won. Why? Because they don't know how to handle it. It's not what you have. It's how you handle it. It's how you handle what you have. It's not the offense that happened to you. It's how you handle it. God wants to know us, how are you handling it? It's not the woman or the man that you married. It's how you handle the man or the woman that you married that determines whether you get the marriage that you want. It's not her fault, it's not his fault. Well, if I just had a different husband or a different wife. You know, Gordon Ramsay says this, it's not about the quality of the ingredients, it's how you handle the ingredients (laughs) that gives you something delicious. Come on. It's not the ingredients that you have, it's how you handle the ingredients. Now by all means, cook with the best ingredients you can find. (laughs) But that's why, and and I say this, and I don't mean to upset anyone when I say this, but that's why some marriages end in divorce and somebody else takes those same ingredients that apparently she was the problem, and make something fantastic with the same ingredients that you couldn't cook with. Because it's not what you have, it's how you handle it. It's how you handle it. It's how you handle it that determines what you do. It's not how much stress you have, it's what you do with the stress that determines what you can accomplish. You will find you can do more under pressure if you can handle it. It's all in how you handle it. It's not usually the thing that you think that is stressing you out that is actually stressing you out. It's usually something that you're mishandling, that you're not handling well that causes it to happen. Sometimes you hate your job because you're mishandling something at home And sometimes you hate your home because you're mishandling something at work. And so you come home, and I know from experience, and you are mishandling something at work, and when you get home, you take it out on home because you can't take it out on work, and because you're mishandling something over here, it's now manifesting itself over there. It's actually the problem is, you're mishandling something, it's how you handle it. And we have to learn how to handle it, whether it be weights in the weight room or whether it be life. And what most of us do a lot of the time, and there's nothing wrong with this, is that we'll do this, we'll we'll ask God to take some of the weight off, some of the pressure off, some of the weight off our lives. We'll ask him to do that. Well, here's something that hopefully will help you this morning. Here's the thing, faith doesn't take the weight off your life. Faith shows you how to handle it. Yeah. How to handle it. Maybe you've never heard this before, but God doesn't respond to your needs. He responds to your faith. Yeah. How many of you right now are in a situation in life where you're like, kind of like, God, man, could you... Could you show me how to handle it? I won't ask you to put up your hand because I don't want to embarrass you, but I would suggest that there's a whole lot of people in this room that are like, how do I handle it? How do I, how do I handle reaching my friends? How do I handle my marriage? How do I handle my kids? How do I handle my finances? How do I handle this situation? And so often we cry out to God and we say to him, you know, God, I, I need your help here. And that's what the Israelites did. And we, we pick up in Exodus chapter 3, And it says, the Lord said, I have indeed heard the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. Listen to this, I love this part. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pezzasites, Hevites, and Jebusites, And now the cry of Israel has reached me and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, he's talking to Moses here, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. He's really saying to Moses here, I can see what they're going through I I can see what it's like for them. And I've seen this and I've decided, you know what? I'm gonna come down. I'm gonna come down and I'm gonna come down and rescue him. And the way that God comes down to rescue them is by sending Moses in his place, the highly favored one. And the issue for us though, when we ask God to come and handle something is that sometimes God has a way of handling it that's different to what we expect. And so you'll be asking God to send everyone away so that they can go and get some food because you're not sure how you're going to feed 5,000 men plus women and children. And, And God's answer to you saying, hey, let's send them away to get some food, God's way of handling it is take that little boy's lunch. Come on. That's how he handles it. You're in front of the big walls of Jericho and you're like, God, we need some wrecking balls here. We need some major demolishing equipment to break down these walls. And and what he gives you to handle it is not a wrecking ball. He says, here's a trumpet. Come on. Because God has his own way of handling things. You're praying that God would send the Messiah to save the world. And you're thinking what's gonna happen? It's like four is gonna come through the ceiling. You know, like on okay, you're not with me, Um, Thor is gonna come rocking through the door, but God shows up instead to a virgin and says, hey, 16-year-old girl, by the way, the Spirit of God is gonna come and impregnate you, and, and then your husband, who's meant to be, he's gonna be like, man, I'm thinking about divorcing you, because how did this happen? I didn't sleep with anyone, I'm a virgin, I promise, and everyone's like, yeah, right, And he says to her, he's going to be born and he's going to be the savior of the world and he's going to defeat life and death. And he's going to be, and it's like, no, that's not how it works. It doesn't come in the form of a major. It comes in a, you know, four. Because God has a strange way of handling it. In your situation right now, God says he's going to come and defeat sin and death and hell. And God's way of defeating death is by using the cross, the ultimate symbol of death. God has a interesting way of handling things and in your situation right now and God is handling it. God is probably handling your situation. The problem is, is we just don't recognize that sometimes how he handles it is in the form of a manger or in the form of a trumpet or in the form of a little boy's lunch. We don't recognize it. God doesn't defeat death with a tank or a sword. He defeats it with the cross, the symbol of death. Because God has a strange way of handling it as the band comes. We don't recognize sometimes that God is handling it because we've never seen it handled this way before. And God has a different way of handling it. And like I said last week, we have to surrender to Him. Trust is not enough. Because trust can be withdrawn when we feel like God isn't handling it. Are you with me today? Come on. Let's be honest, I've done this plenty of times in my life where I have withdrawn trust from God because God, you're not handling it. And he's like, what's in your hand? No, no, you don't understand. I don't care what's in my hand. If I thought what was in my hand could handle it, I wouldn't be talking to you. And so I withdraw my trust from him because he's not handling it the way that I want him to handle it. And so what surrender does is it goes, you know what? I'm pretty sure this little boy's lunch isn't handling it, but I surrender. I'm pretty sure this trumpet ain't gonna break down those walls, but I surrender. I'm pretty sure the way to defeat death is not by going through death, but I surrender. I surrender. It's it's not what you have, it's how you handle what you have which determines the outcome of your life.